0: Welcome back, everybody. Finally, we are back in the saddle after two long weeks. Uh, Graham, you left me all alone last week. It was, it was a very lonely uh, solo pod. Um, but, Graham, welcome back. How, how are you doing? How was the uh, the trip to Michigan and the travels and all that?
1: Oh, it was a very uh, nice, safe trip. Got to see everyone up, up north, but uh, ready to be back. Um, heading back to school next week, so the last pod apart from you, Evan. So we just have one more yeah, one more last-ditch effort, and then we can yeah, last. embrace in college basketball yeah, this next week together. <laughs> yes, the end of the virtual
0: pods for us. Uh, we'll be back in person next week, so that'll be nice. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to being back on campus, getting into more of a routine, all that good stuff, and looking forward to see some Xavier basketball in person again. So definitely very excited for that one. We will get to all that upcoming Xavier games as we move on. Um, but let's get started right away. Let's go back to last Wednesday. Um, obviously, I recorded in the morning, solo pod. Like we promised, it was going to be that kind of just COVID update, new policy update, all that good stuff. So, kind of cleared all that up for you. Um, but now moving forward, uh, Wednesday games, uh, starting with a couple high points. We had an SEC double header. Two top six, or uh, 11 versus 16, and that's 14 versus 19. So two top 20 matchups there in the SEC on Wednesday night. We had Auburn-LSU to start off the evening. Uh, Auburn securing a strong 15-point victory there. And then Alabama eking out a win, a five-point win at home against Tennessee. Um, personally, I was unable to catch the first the LSU-Auburn game, um, but I was able to catch the good a good portion of the Tennessee Alabama game I was at the University of Kansas Jayhawks game against Nevada um, so always good to be there in the Cathedral of College Basketball love uh, getting to see a game there whenever I can um, but definitely uh, an interesting one to keep an eye on and then Alabama really kind of secured things on the stretch um, crazy stats really from that Alabama game you know as it's been well documented and as we both know Graham um, they're going to launch Thirty or forty threes a game. They're gonna throw up shots from everywhere, and um, the fact that they were seven of thirty-one from three, and they still handily beat uh, Tennessee is pretty concerning. I'd say for most teams across the country, shooting twenty-two percent from three, um, and jacking up thirty shots. You know, so on th- on thirty-one of your possessions, you're throwing up a three, um, and only seventy-eight percent of the time you're making it, and yet still you're getting beat by five. That's, uh, especially
1: a good team like Tennessee,
0: that's got to be concerning. Yeah.
1: Um, I feel like this Alabama team, if there's one thing everyone knows, is the amount of shots they want to get up. But the second thing, I think, is how they play to um, their opponent's level. Uh, Tennessee is a very good team that came out really well. Um, but in the second half, you know, you could definitely see that they were missing some of the depth that they're used to due to some protocols. Uh, most notably, they have a forward, Polkerson, uh, who's like their like, man in the middle. He's a grad student, big core guy. And with him out, uh, down the stretch, I think they lost a little bit of their depth. And then it was a strange game. It seemed like most teams were trying to lose. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the um, Alabama team really just needs to really crack the whip and find their identity consistently because in the tournament, Like, you can't play to your um, opponent um, because, you know, this is an Alabama team that could very well be seen a 13 to 16 ranked opponent. And, I mean, those are conference champions, and usually the teams that make those conference champions are senior-laden, well-coached teams that are going to be ready. So if Alabama keeps playing to their opponent's level, um, it might get a little icky. And might break some hearts come March. So,
0: Absolutely. Um, I think we almost saw that a little bit in the Iona game. And, you know, obviously, no, no uh, you know, nothing negative against Iona. Obviously, a very solid team. Obviously, your Rick Patino coach team. But definitely something to keep an eye on there kind of moving forward for uh, the Crimson
1: Tide. Yeah, I think it's just. Providence, Seton Hall. Oh, sorry. No, I, no, you're good. I think it's just unbelievable that this team has beaten Gonzaga. But then they've also right. lost to Iota, Memphis, and Davidson. All at neutral site or home games.
0: <laughs> so Yeah, absolutely. So definitely interesting and something worth noting. Um, moving forward, though, Providence-Seton Hall was also last Wednesday. Um, definitely an intriguing one on the Big East dock there. Providence securing the win at home by five seventy sixty five. 65 And really, the only big things I, I, you know, I have to say about that, and I know I've mentioned this before, but, I mean, we've seen it even this week with Marquette uh, getting a huge win over Providence last night um, by 20-plus points. And then, you know, with the Nova-Seton Hall game, Nova beating Seton Hall. Like, it's just, these teams are just going to beat each other up. There's so many teams in the Big East this year that are so closely, you know, very competitive, you know, with Villanova dropping down a little bit this year. And then Seton Hall's in there. Providence is in there. Xavier's in there. Marquette, mm-hmm. I think, is well worth, you know, the conversation. I think St. John's is going to pull off a or too. DePaul is a kind of a wild card right now. They got handled by Providence on Saturday. Um, but again, there's still, I think, some optimism around that program. Um, we've seen Creighton take care of Villanova. They get to play Villanova again tomorrow or tonight. Um, so, yeah, it'll just. I just think there are so many teams that are at such similar levels um, within the Big East that I'll be interested to see, you know, how all those teams that are right around that same level ranking kind of shake out after, you know, come the end of the season. I do think it's clear-cut, you know, I think I'd say it's almost definitely that, you know, this is going to come back to bite me in the butt, but I would say, you know, Butler and Georgetown are kind of the lower tier of the conference this year. Um, but then again, like I say that thinking, you know, looking forward to Friday for Xavier um, going on the road to Butler and you haven't played a game in over two weeks. Like that is a trap game. That is absolutely a game that, you know, you could lose any day, um, even in the rhythm of a regular season. But especially now, not having played for two
1: weeks, I'm very concerned going into Hinklefield House
0: on Friday night. Yeah, I think
1: the I don't know if you saw highlights of the game itself, but like the Seton Hall Providence game, I think, is very telling of what Big East games are going to look like. Because Seton Hall um, was was a little shorthanded because they've been battling some COVID issues throughout the year. And Providence really stepped on their neck really early. Seton Hall was missing shots, and Providence went on a 15-0 run that put them up um, by, like, 10 or 12 points. And then, like, it was kind of just, like, back and forth. So, like, Providence went into halftime with a nine-point lead. Um, so it was like, kind of like Providence providence was winning because of the 15-0 run but it was like neck and neck but then seton hall won the second half um it wasn't enough they still were down five but i think the seton hall team is a very scary team just because of um just like where they get their scoring i feel like every night they have someone new um and
0: that they were, but to some extent, too. Like that's almost that's almost like Xavier in a yeah. way. You know, I mean, we've seen that already this season. You know, one night it's a Dewan Odom night, one night it's a it's a Jack Nungey night. You know, one night you're getting big buckets out of Kunkel. Like it's just it's you know obviously Scruggs is still there. Colby Jones has had a couple big nights. Like they're they're definitely sharing the world yeah. there too.
1: Seton Hall is definitely a very good team that was deserving of the fifteen point rank. But I think they're once a the Big East, if if we have a normal uh, conference swing, pick back up. I think they're going to fall into, like, that second tier of teams. Um, but Providence is a very scary team. Providence has four grad seniors to start and another senior that starts. Um, and then three of the stars are averaging double figures, and the fourth is averaging, like, 9.9 9 right now. They are a very scary team that I wouldn't want to play um, come Big East tournament or tournament time. No. Gosh, gotcha. Absolutely, yeah, and then moving
0: into Saturday, obviously Nova Seton Hall was another notable game that day. Nova taking care of business there, but again, like just, I think a lot of those games are going to be really close, and they're going to be really uh, you know high pressure moments, and I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how some of those teams you know shape and, and come out uh, of that Big East play and see if you know some kind of falter because of it or some if some come out stronger. Yeah,
1: and to add to the Villanova um, Seton Hall game. Well, it doesn't really change the impact of the game much, it does change future games. Um, Brian Antoine was back, and Jay Wright and the coaches of Villanova were very high on him. And obviously you yes. never want um, a young player to uh, get their um, career or season derailed by injuries, but the Big East did kind of like have a quick little sigh of relief when it said that he was going to be out for an extended time. He's already back, um, yeah. and you know he's still trying to find his rhythm. But you can definitely see the impact on the wing already, and he's a scary yeah, piece for that Villanova team that's finding their stride to get back. Right.
0: Another notable result from Saturday uh, was Baylor going on the road to Iowa State Hinkle uh, Coliseum. Uh, good to see um, that place back in uh, uh, in full. Full fruition of its, you know, the Hinkle magic and all that good stuff. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think Iowa State's one of those teams that personally, as, you know, born and raised as a Jayhawk, I kind of not learned to hate, but it was just, you know, I hated having, having to go there and having to play a tough game all the time uh, against a really good team, really well coached team in a tough environment. Um, but also, I didn't, it was kind of one of those things like I didn't realize how much I missed it until they were gone um and when Iowa State was not as good these last few years I definitely missed that really tough road game um and I, I always loved watching those KU Iowa State games so glad to see that they're back um and I think they put up a really good fight against Baylor obviously losing by five um I, and I think you know dropping three spots is totally inappropriate ranking dropping them down to number 11 I still think they're a top 15 team in the country um and I just think Baylor is really that good I mean Baylor like I can't say enough about how good they are. Like, like even last night against Oklahoma, Porter Moser's side, they made a couple runs, um, and Baylor still just kind of, you know, kept them at an arm's length, and that's exactly how the Iowa State game was. You know, I wa- I sat down and watched that entire game. I know it was New Year's Day. I know everyone's, oh, it's football day. No, I was fully in tuned and and enthralled by this game, and it, I, it Baylor just kept them at arm's length. Like it never got. You know, to a point where I was like, okay, here, like, here comes Iowa State. Like, they're flipping the momentum or whatever. Like, it never felt like Baylor wasn't going to win that game. Right. Um, and Baylor just felt very comfortable the whole time. So, really unbelievable um, to see that. And, and really an impressive endeavor, uh, for sure, uh, for Scott Drew's
1: Baylor Bears. Um, I think this Iowa State team, uh, they are definitely finding their identity – in terms of the, the program and, um, their defense is very, very good. Um, I, I think, uh, TJ Olsenberg has done a great job of kind of like getting Iowa state back to what they were and, the, um, the Halliburton, um, years or year, I guess, but, um, they've been struggling offensively and I don't know if they have all the pieces to be a top team in the country right now, but they're definitely a very intriguing team. Their offensive production is just, like, not there. Like, it is unbelievable that they are still able to compete when taking 14 threes in a game and only making one of them and also having 17 turnovers against um, a very athletic, efficient Baylor team. But they – Definitely have a lot of interesting parts of their game that I, I, I just really want to see how this team ends up after having to play a really, really hard Big 12 schedule. The Big 12 is unbelievable yeah, this year. Um, definitely one of the best conferences in terms of um, teams' quality. So it will be interesting what, what they do. Well, can and that's do. the thing,
0: too, that I... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, that I, like... We've kind of talked about this before with like the coaching around the Big Twelve, but I mean, like, are you serious? Like, like the the amount of ridiculously good coaches in the Big Twelve. Like, let's look at the bottom two. Consistently over the last few years, have been TCU and K State are usually finished around the bottom of the Big Mm Twelve. Those are that's head coach Jamie Dixon, former Pitt Panther mecca that he built over there, um, and still a great coach on TCU, and then Bruce Weber, who's a well-respected. Uh, coach, with you know, a kind of a similar uh, upbringing to Bill Self at KU, so I just, it, it's unbelievable um, what that conference has done to just continually be good. But yeah, I mean, Iowa State goes on the road to the Kansas Jayhawks next Tuesday, so a week from yesterday, um, and I'll be, I'll be keen to see that matchup. You know, I they weren't able to get it done against Baylor, you know, at home, but I do think Baylor's, I would say Baylor's like a better quality team than the Jayhawks, so I'll be interested to see. I think it'll be a little bit more of an even matchup. Um, on Saturday you know Bay- uh, excuse me Saturday uh, Iowa State was uh, led by Tristan and Aruna former Jayhawk uh, he had 23 points he was eight of 11 from the field on um, Saturday so I'll be interested to see you know what his homecoming is um coming back home to Kansas just because I don't think him and Bill self ever got along you know incredibly well and I also don't think um, any of the fans were really wowed by him you know he was kind of touted as this you know foreign prospect like oh he's gonna be You know, a really great, you know, stretch guard, wing guard kind of action. And and he never really showed that. Granted, obviously playing with a lot of really good players at KU, I don't know if he ever got the, you know, a fair opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, But it'll be interesting to see, you know, where, you know, how how that homecoming is for him. So moving on from the weekend, though, uh, my pick to win the NCAA title this year, uh, the Purdue Boilermakers took a big hit on Monday night losing to the Johnny Davis-led Wisconsin Badgers at home in Mackey Arena. Um, a tough one to watch as a, not a Purdue fan, but I'd say a Matt Painter fan. Um, definitely pulling for him and hoping he kind of gets his team figured out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but really unbelievable. Very uh, very big 10 first half, 29-24 to halftime Wisconsin uh, up. And then both teams just exploded Scoring 45 apiece in the second half. Obviously, Wisconsin coming out with a 74-69 victory. Johnny Davis going bananas, 13-24 and 24 from the field, uh, shooting just over 50% with 37 points for Johnny Davis. Zach Eady led the way uh, for Purdue with 24, 10-17 of 17 from the field. So, again, like, just some really solid performances there. Um, and obviously, it was close all the way down to the end. Um, but interesting to see. I think it's interesting on both sides. You know, obviously, Purdue... Maybe not, not necessarily underperforming a little bit, but like that's I don't think that's a loss. You could have expected that, you know, to see them taking it home. Um but also at the same time, like, Wisconsin really, really, really shown up so far this year and uh giving us every reason to believe that they are legit.
1: Yeah. I think um that Wisconsin Purdue game. It's best described by one of Wisconsin's starters, Chucky Hepburn, just said after the game that sometimes is it's get johnny the ball and get the f out of the way that's pretty much what happened right. um, he was unbelievable um i think that he is well on his way to a first team nomination i mean the lowest points he's had is 15 and they've just been like off nights really he's been unbelievable this year right yeah I'll be keen to see
0: what he puts together uh, for the rest of the season for the Wisconsin Badgers. And again, Purdue will have to see if they can kind of get things back on track, Um, you know, for their, you know, for the Purdue fans out there that are kind of hoping to hear some good news. Um, The big 10 is just not what people kind of expected it to be so far this year. Obviously Michigan uh, was a top 10 ranked team at the beginning of the season. They're just above 500. Um, Illinois has dropped out of the rankings pretty quickly. Um, So maybe a little bit easier slate uh, in the Big Ten for Purdue uh, moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that that all shapes up. And then looking uh, to last night's game, just a couple notable ones, and we already kind of touched on a few with that Baylor-Oklahoma game. Uh, But again, Baylor securing a 10-point victory, 84-74, staving off kind of late runs uh, by that Oklahoma team. Um, So good good to see that. Again, James Akinjo leading the way again for Baylor with 27 last night. So really, I mean, he has just really been phenomenal for them. Um, Also last night, LSU taking care of Kentucky. Um, Definitely interesting to see and one that uh, a big win for Will Wade. Uh, I hope he's calmed down from his temper tantrum uh, by now. I mean, he threw an absolute fit uh, going into halftime. If you haven't seen that video yet, please look it up. It's quite entertaining. so yeah, that, definitely worth uh, noting that one there. Um, but LSU taking a solid victory, and I think again, SEC and Big East draw a lot of similarities this year. I said, you know, I've said this earlier, and I, I really do think that it's Big Twelve is by far the best conference in the in the country. And then after that, I'd say you know, SEC, um, SEC and Big East are very similar, um, like that. And then I think Big Ten's a little top heavy, um, but I think they have a solid a solid conference there. Um, and then really, I mean, after that, you know. I Honestly, like, I think the West Coast Conference is in the conversation for being one of the better conferences this year. Like, I I mean, I'd put them up with the ACC this year just simply because of outside of Duke, the ACC has nothing going for them. Yeah, just about. Um, Yeah, so, but again, uh, there's going to be a lot of those, you know, 10 to, you know, top 10 to top 25 ranked games uh, for, um That at the SEC this year, so interesting to see LSU get that win at home against Kentucky, up five, and then uh, also wanted to note Marquette and Providence. Marquette listed as a one-point favorite in this game at home against Providence, taking the win 88 to 56, so a 32-point victory. Um, Shocking, yes, but almost not. Like again, back to our original point about the Big East. Like, I guess I'm surprised just because of the amount that they won by, but not necessarily. Um, that they won handily just because I, I really do think that that Marquette team is very good. Obviously, Shaka Smart, phenomenal coach. Um, so just interesting to see, again, how those kind of middle-of-the-pack Big East teams are kind of going to be—or really middle-of-the-pack to the front-of-the-pack um, Big East teams are kind of going to be beating each other up this year. Right. All righty, moving in and past— um, The kind of headline games, we're going to move into a couple headlines, just a couple things going on in the college basketball world that we want to touch on. Graham, will let you uh, lead it off with your first one that you found.
1: Yeah. Um, So first one is, while Michigan has struggled a lot this year, um, Rutgers gave them a very great game and ended up winning. Now this is the first time Rutgers has beat Michigan um, in program history. They were 0 and 14 heading into this game and they got their first win. Um, Michigan has struggled in just about every way this year. Um, but Rutgers, I mean, for a team that doesn't have a lot of expectations, um, getting your first win over used one of the big dogs in the big 10, um, and securing that unbelievable game against Purdue. I mean, it's a good, good day to be a Rutgers fan. Um, Because, you know, when I think the expectation isn't to win the Big Ten, but it's always to compete, and I think they've done exactly that this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, too, with some of those teams not performing as well, I think the Big Ten race is, I'm not going to say wide open, but there's definitely a chance that they could get a a higher seed and a more favorable matchup looking into that Big Ten championship and the Big Ten uh, conference tournament. So it will be interesting to see what that brings them. Also, uh, State of Maryland, they're – uh, just announced that uh, it's any contest in the state of Maryland, correct? Any? Uh,
1: I thought it was or just, university, just university of Maryland. But I could be wrong.
0: Okay. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, yes. um, university of Maryland uh, announced that um, you must either have proof of vaccination or a negative test to enter the game. Uh, so definitely interesting to see kind of the first state to take that step or the first uh, large, large school to take that step. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see kind of how that affects teams moving forward. Um, you know, obviously outside of Memphis, there hasn't been a lot of like Kyrie-esque outspoken players or teams that are unvaccinated or against being vaccinated or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what uh, if that has any adverse effects on the players or, you know, specifically or teams moving forward um, with the scheduling of that Maryland team. Um, Dick Vitale will be entering an extended break, um, as his doctors have recommended, um, and also trying to kind of prep him for later season games, which, you know, I think we agreed we're both all for, uh, would love to see him on the sideline again, you know, kind of towards champ week and the end of the regular season. There's going to be some really good matchups coming up here, uh, that I hope to hear his call on. So definitely uh, good to hear that. And then I'll let Graham kind of wrap us up with the last little more lighthearted and, and a little bit funnier of a situation. Um, yeah,
1: so the nice AP poll that just recently came out um, had, in, at the bottom it says, like, the others receiving votes, and people were shocked to see a Georgia team um, receiving 22 uh, votes for the AP poll, and then upon, you know, examining it, they realize that when a pollster puts in a team... At the fourth seed they get 22 votes and what happened was is whoever put georgia with 22 votes meaning that someone put georgia at fourth in the country meant to put gonzaga and i just think it's unbelievable it's something that's so important everyone in the nation who follows college basketball even in the slightest looks at the ap poll had that uh much of a error
0: and I just think it's hilarious too that it came right after a loss to Gardner Webb. Yeah. like Gardner Webb is a notorious like cream puff preseason team to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Duke usually Duke usually has them on the schedule about every year. So funny to see that uh, kind of be what you know the the ser- the series of events for that Georgia fan base. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure none of them really noticed or cared as they are currently prepping for a national championship game against Alabama right uh here in less than a week so I think focus is else elsewhere uh in Athens. all righty well that'll kind of wrap up uh around the around the country uh stories and things like that um we will as always wrap up with the musketeer minute again touched on it a little bit but but looking forward friday going on the road to hinkle field xavier at butler and then a week from today next wednesday uh we will have uh Villanova will be traveling to Cincinnati to take on Xavier uh, in the Cintas Center. First game back from break for students, so that will be good to see. Definitely think it's going to be a rocking atmosphere, as always. And Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. I um, can't wait to be back for that game. Also, I uh, am currently trying to get to the game on Friday. Again, haven't bought tickets yet just because of you know possible cancellation and things like that, um, but hopefully I'll have... Uh, A couple good stories for you next Wednesday uh, coming out of hopefully a win on Friday. Um, And then, yeah, looking forward to next Wednesday. I'm sure we'll record prior to um, the game on Friday. uh, Or, excuse me, the game on Wednesday. We'll give you a little preview of the Nova game and all that good stuff, and then we'll uh, recap it the next week. But Mm -hmm. a couple big ones coming up on the schedule, and then also worth noting, uh, Xavier did get a reschedule Friday, February 11th. They will be taking on... Is that correct? it? correct? That's Friday, February yep. 11th, right? They'll be taking on UConn at home, which I think is good um, because UConn, that's another team we didn't mention earlier, but it's another team that's kind of in that mix of the middle to upper half of the Big East. Um, and that was definitely one that I was concerned seeing on the schedule over break, you know, thinking, okay, well, they're not going to have the fans, or not not that the fans won't be there, but they won't have the normal amount of students to kind of be there and, and help with the atmosphere and help with the uh, support um, for that big Xavier UConn game. Uh, So I'm excited to see that back on the schedule for later in the semester when, you know, fans will be back and in full fruition. And it'll be a Friday night. So everybody, I'm sure, will be having a good time and looking forward to that one. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Got anything else? Already got anything else musketeer-wise there, Graham? Uh, No. Any updates from the manager side of things? (laughs) Uh,
1: It's safe to say that they've just been, you know, continuing to compete. They've had a few, like, uh... Like they a scrimmages, yeah, right? They have like scrimmages within the team and they they bring the refs out. Um Adam Baum, who yeah. is one of the Xavier um writers, uh had a great tweet that he, he stopped by to see the, like the blue versus white scrimmage and Paul Scruggs is arguing. Was this
0: was this about Scruggs going bananas on the ref? Yeah,
1: he's arguing with the ref in an empty gym in a blue versus white scrimmage. So it's it's good <laughs> yes. to see that the competitive edge is still there, even though they won't have a game. I think it's almost twenty days worth of basketball that they've just been practicing, not doing anything else. Yeah,
0: it'll, it'll be seventeen. It'll be seventeen if the game goes as scheduled on Friday. Yeah. Um,
1: which. Uh, but which, yeah, no, hilarious. Guys. I
0: did see that. T- yeah, I agree. Did see that tweet from Adam Baum, though. that was pretty funny. Uh, seeing him like you know what he I think he I forget exactly what he said but he was like it was one of the mo the most you know, interesting things he had seen to hear a player arguing a ref in an empty gym uh, in an inter-squad scrimmage. I think that is pretty, pretty funny. So, all righty. Well, that will wrap us up this week. And, uh, Graham, looking forward to seeing you, my man. Can't wait for uh, next week be back in person. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a win and uh, previewing a, you know, a a tough game against uh, Villanova at home.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All righty. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, happy Wednesday! Um, thanks for listening here on Wednesday, January fifth, and uh, or whenever you listen, um, whenever you get around to it. But yeah, again, uh, appreciate your uh, your listen, and we will talk to you again soon, back in person uh, here in a week, next Wednesday, January twelfth. All right. See you all See soon. You.